So, to this week, is, or this month is Stewardship Month, and it's the last week in that month where we take time to prayerfully consider our relationship to the church through what we receive and what we give. Um, today's our last testimony. I know, you're like, we've got to go back to Ryan preaching every week. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but perhaps today will it'll be so good that it'll last you for weeks on end. Um, <laughs> So today's our last story of grace and gratitude, where members have shared their spiritual journey and the place St. George's has played in it. Now, the first three testimonies were offered by people who were relative newcomers, people that had uh, started uh, coming to St. George's in the last year, two, three, uh, three years, four years maybe. Um, uh, but this Sunday, we have Betty Thornton, who blows them all away in terms of time spent in this congregation. So uh, uh, with great joy, I'd like to invite Betty to come forward now. I'll give you a heads up. This is very emotional for me. If I choke up, just go with it. You're my family. Forgive me. Amen. <laughs> and I haven't gotten the right glasses. It's okay. I hesitated about giving a testimony of my Christian life, but after thinking it over and spending time with God, I said yes. In the early 1970s, there was a spiritual renewal in the United Church. Some of you will remember that. And there were festivals of faith with keynote speakers, testimonies from people who had experienced dramatic conversions, great music, worship, and also small groups for conversation. I attended festivals in Nanaimo and in Halifax. <clears throat> in the small group conversations, longtime members and workers in the church expressed a feeling that because they had not experienced a thunder and lightning conversion, they somehow did not measure up. This happened at both festivals, and this troubled me because these were the kinds of people that I admired and wanted to be like. My faith journey does not include a radical conversion, and I am very happy that I have not taken some of the described pathways which lead to dramatic changes. God has been with me on a fairly smooth journey with only a few bumps along the way. I believe there are many in the congregation who have traveled much the same pathway. Each person's journey is no more important or less important than another person's journey. We all measure up. So this is my faith story. I was born in the small town of Gull Lake, Saskatchewan, and was baptized and confirmed in Knox United Church. My mom was very active in the church. My dad, not so much. But he supported Mom's efforts and our efforts and was an honest and well-respected member of the community. I was fortunate to be introduced to the disciplines of the Christian faith in Sunday school by my parents and that community. I learned about giving. As I took my coins to church, sang the little song about dropping, 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 hear the pennies fall, every one for Jesus, he shall have them all. <laughs> we just knew they would be used by God for his work. 
Even now, taking my offering to church on Sunday is a part of my worship. I can't bring myself to use par. <laughs> I learned about praying. We talked to God before we went to sleep. Simple prayers, but a start of a lifelong habit that continues to this day. I learned about serving and caring for others. As a little child, I associated death with pies. Because when we heard that someone in the community had died, my mom started making pies to take to the grieving family. The church took care of others in times of need and rejoiced with others in the happy times. I learned about faithful attendance at worship. The four churches in the town and the town council agreed that no community event happened until after 12 noon on Sundays. This gave everyone a chance to attend church. It was a simpler time, and it would not happen today. Going to church has been a lifelong discipline. At the same time as I was growing up, my husband was living a similar type of life in other small towns in Saskatchewan, finally ending up in Moose Jaw. He was also baptized and confirmed in the United Church. We met in Winnipeg. We were both in the Air Force. It was a wonderful surprise to find each other. Wow. We married in 1963 and started our family. Our twins were baptized. Sorry, it's getting, it's getting away on me. <laughs> um, and they we're baptized at Silver Heights United Church, which no longer exists. When our girls were one, we were transferred to number three wing in Zweibrücken, Germany, and attended the Protestant chapel. Our son was born while we were in Germany and was baptized in that chapel. In the fall of 1969, after four years in Germany, we received a transfer to Comox. We had no idea where it was. We had to look it up on a map. My husband came ahead and found a townhouse to rent in the Puntledge Park area. He got our things out of storage, and then the kids and I flew out to be with him. We attended St. George's the first Sunday here and received a warm welcome. That Wednesday after supper, the doorbell rang, and when I opened the door, Reverend Alexander was standing there. He had come to see how we were settling in and ask if the church could do anything for us. How wonderful that was. We have attended St. George ever since, except for the three years when we lived in Nova Scotia, where we attended St. David's United Church in Lake Echo, and we were, where we made lifelong friends. We returned to Courtney in 1978. It was great to be back home in St. George's. Both my husband and I served in many areas of the church and were happy to do so. At the present time, I am on the congregational care team and work within the UCW. There have been some ups and downs in the life of the congregation. Life has not always been smooth, and with every issue, whether it was over policy or personnel, some people left to find new church homes. In 1988, about 25% of our congregation left after the decision was made by the National United Church in regards to who is eligible to be ordained. The decision was that anyone who is a member of the United Church could seek to be ordained. 
This opened the door for members who are homosexuals to be able to be ordained if they got their necessary education and went through the very lengthy and much vetted procedure by the church. Some of our members could not live with that and they decided to leave St. George's. It was a sad and difficult time for everyone when so many wonderful friends left. We had great leadership at the time, and within 10 years, our congregation was again about 200 people each Sunday. This is a praying congregation. As I told one minister, these people are serious. If someone says I will pray about a situation, they will. It is also a congregation that tries really hard to provide pastoral care when care is needed. I have always felt support and encouragement, especially when my husband died seven years ago. It is a teaching congregation and has been for a long time. I particularly learned a great deal in a study called Kerygma, an in-depth study of the Bible which took two years to complete. It was so interesting and there were no problems doing that homework. I would encourage you to join a Bible study when you have a chance. Of course, God has been with me on this faith journey, which may, I believe may be a journey sim similar to one that many of you have taken. You cannot get through life without grief, mistakes, disappointments, regrets, but these things have been easier because of my faith and because of the support of this St. George's family. You would think I might be perfect after all this church time. <laughs> but that is not so. And many of you are laughing and you know me. <laughs> the good news is that God is not finished with me yet. But I am assured that God will be with me whatever is ahead. And for this I am truly grateful. Thank you. Let us pray. Holy God, through the generations you have spoken to us, you have sent voices crying out in the wilderness. You have sent the words of an overjoyed new father and an expectant mother. You have sent the assurance of a condemned man on the cross. Quiet in us any voice but your own, that by the power of your spirit, we might hear the words you speak to us today. Amen. So, I want to pick up where Betty ended her testimony. Betty ended her testimony by saying that she's not perfect, and I just want to say, this is true. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but at the end, she said that she's not perfect. But more importantly, what she said was that God is not finished with her yet. God is not finished with her yet. Now, I realize that revealing someone's age from the pulpit is something, you know, kind of invites a death wish, probably. So I won't do that, okay? Everybody can sigh, you know, uh, uh, relief, uh, but if you heard Betty's testimony, you can probably infer that her spiritual journey began a while ago. 
It began in a little United Church in Saskatchewan and has extended over 50 years here at St. George's. Now, we live in a culture that favors youth. Vitality, energy, growing old is a curse, we tend to think. So we try to fight it back all we can with pills, surgery, and whatever else we can muster, including self-delusion. It's true. It's true. So to say that God's not done seems odd. Maybe something like God's just about done with me might work better in our culture. Because when you grow old, what else is there left to do? What can you do? And if you aren't perfect by now, where did the time go? What did you do with it? The idea that life is simply not over when we get to a certain age is strange to us. It's foreign, it's alien to us as a culture. But the thing is, it's not foreign to the world of the Bible. Perhaps it's the fact that when the Bible was written, you'd be lucky to make it past 30. But in Scripture, age is valued. Proverbs 20, 29 says, The glory of uh, young men is their youth, and gray hair the splendor of the old. It's good, not simply for the individual. Aging is not good for the individual, but because it's also good for the community, because with age comes experience, and with experience comes wisdom, and with wisdom comes maturity, or at least it should. We all know that there are many exceptions, depending on the time of the day. But all of these things are precious human resources that can only be discovered through time. Now, though today's scripture passage doesn't directly talk about age, it does talk about maturity. It talks about growing up. But it speaks of growing up spiritually, growing in faith rather than physically. Our passage begins with spirit-given gifts. The author tells us that the Holy Spirit dispenses different spiritual gifts to each person through the risen Christ. The gifts Christ gave, he says, are that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, we can't go into each of these things in the list today, but each of these gifts are given for a particular purpose, the author tells us. And the particular purpose is this, it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Last week, we heard about how the beginning and the end of the Christian life is to be loved by God and to love like God loves. This passage says something similar, that the church exists to build up the body of Christ until all come into maturity. So everything we do as a community exists to nurture our growth as human beings until all are fully grown into the image of Christ, until we're all the spitting image 
of Jesus. If somebody looks at us, they can't tell a difference between the two. Now, whether your spiritual life is slow, consistent, and reserved, or if it's an off-the-wall Holy Ghost explosion every Sunday, or somewhere in between, maybe you've got some sweet spot in between, It says that either way, the purpose, the end goal of the Christian life is the same, to grow into maturity, to become fully ourselves, and not just some sort of self-actualization, but becoming fully ourselves by becoming fully like Christ, to become fully ourselves and to become fully alive. And it's not just a momentary event or single experience. Betty said that church following Jesus has been for her a lifetime discipline. It's that slow, steady, lifelong commitment to faith and the practices of Jesus that God will truly bear fruit for all of us. Some may have, as Betty said, a lightning bolt conversion, but for most of us it is that smooth and steady path. Remember, remember too, that the, the passage says that the final destination of the Jesus way is becoming like Jesus, not just, you know, a little like Jesus, like, you know, I have long hair like Jesus, or I wear sandals like Jesus, but totally like Jesus, it says. The full stature of Christ. Spiritual growth is a lifelong process. There's an end point, of course. We have a destiny, union with Christ, life in total communion with God, and we can grow in grace. We can become kinder, gentler, wiser, more courageous, and compassionate. And this is what commitment to the Jesus way, along with fellow Jesus people, leads to long term. We may not fully arrive, but we can get a glimpse or a foretaste of that life made completely whole. So it's a journey that's never over this side of the end of time. But that's actually good news. I mean, I hope it takes a load off your chest like it takes a load off my chest. Perfection here and now isn't necessarily what we can achieve. But it's never over this side, the end of time, because it's how somebody with a lifetime of church experience like Betty can say, God's not done with me yet. It's how any of us, from age zero to 100 and beyond, can say it too. Because the journey can begin at any time, any point in life, but it's a voyage that never ends because life with God never ends. In the words of the hymn, Betty chose following the service, and I knew that she would choose it. I actually guessed that she would choose it because I know that she loves this hymn. It says, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. We're in it for the long haul because God's in it with us for an even longer one, one that will continue until, as Ephesians says, until all of us come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God.
life with God, life here and now may end, but life with God never ends. The journey is forever. So I didn't really know how to end this sermon, so I'll end with the end of our stewardship campaign. Thus ends our stewardship series on stories of grace and gratitude. And my question for you is, where are you on your journey? Are you growing towards life as it was always meant to be? Or are you stuck, spinning your wheels, hoping for some kind of way out? Either way, take these words to heart. God's not done with you yet. There is yet more beauty, more joy, and more love ahead. And the journey begins right here and right now. If you're only willing to walk it with Christ and with us. Simply for the fact that God's not done with you or any of us. Because in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.